0: Hello and welcome to episode one of the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. I am Ethan Castle. We've got a loaded episode for you to get this show officially on the road. Hope you already listened to our little trailer, but if you didn't, don't worry, because we've got all you can need right now. Gonna give you a little rundown of what's happened so far in high school football, heading into the first real weekend. I know... Sac Joaquin section and some of Southern California played Week 0 games, but we've got rundown of Thursday Week 1 action and a look into Friday and Saturday action, including the big showdown between Folsom and Sarah. That'll be one of our games of the week this week. We've also got a little bit of basketball recruiting news and then an interview with Gus Morris of the Santa Rosa Press Democrat to give us a little insight on the current situation unfolding over at Cardinal Newman that's been... One of the stories of the offseason. So without further ado, I know coaches hate Thursday football games. I know it messes with the routine, attendance isn't usually as good, but there are some benefits. You have Friday and Saturday to scout other games, or as crazy as this sounds, spend time with your family. And you get more media at Thursday night games because there are Fewer games. I mean, at most, there's probably about a a third as many games, even on, like, the busiest Thursday compared to a typical Friday. So, with that, I went to game last night. Saw Lee roll to a 28-0 win over Lincoln in an all-San Jose battle. Solid win for the Longhorns to open up the season. They immediately look like a favorite in the Santa Teresa Valley division. Posting a win over an A-League team, albeit one that was shorthanded. Lincoln did not have quarterback Tyann Phillips last night, which certainly affected things, although defensively, I don't know how much of a difference he would have made. He should be back in a couple of weeks. He's dealing with a shoulder injury currently, but getting him back, he will also play safety, but you'll have him at quarterback. One of their receivers effectively had to step in and play QB, Desario Berciaga. Then you move him into the slot. And you've got a QB that can go deep to Romel Lawrence, who really impressed their receiver last night. Unfortunately, you know, without typical QB, it kind of limits what you can do offensively, limits your playbook. And most of the routes they ran to him were just shorter screens. Lee also profited off of a couple of short fields from some shanked punts that were compounded by bad bounces. Scored right before halftime to go up 28-0, and that was all the scoring. Not a lot going on in the second half, a couple of long drives that didn't yield points either way, and ended up being a relatively quick ball game. But Lee, after starting 2022 0-7, finished the season with three straight wins, and they enter this season on a high note. Players talked during post-game interviews about how losing to Lincoln at the last second last year in Week 1 kind of set the tone for their season, and they're hoping to use the more positive outcome here to set the tone and let it kind of permeate what's ahead because they were really snake bit last year three games they lost in the final minutes only a couple of games where they were beaten by more than a couple of scores Cheyenne Chariot found the end zone three times really solid running back who can do a lot as a receiver coming out of the backfield as well and got a lot of time at linebacker last night something that he didn't really get as much of during his junior season that was something that head coach Kyle Padilla highlighted when I talked with him. So, big start to the year for Lee. Getting off to a winning note. Other guys who impressed, uh, just to run off a quick list, quarterback Tyler Donaldson, wide receiver and linebacker Carter Williams, Cam Cheer at both receiver and corner. He also handles some of the kicking duties. And I thought on the line, defensive end Jonathan Blanchard was good. He had a couple of really solid plays. And I know a lot of times the line play kind of goes under the radar. It's tough in real time. That's something something you need to go back and see film of a lot of times. So it was nice to be able to appreciate that because we controlled the trenches all game, and you you just looked at the numbers, yards per carry, which I don't have all mapped out right now, but it it clearly showed which team was dominating in the trenches. Uh, Other scores from... Thursday night CCS action. Live Oak all over Gilroy 53-0. Live Oak expected to be, once again, one of the contenders in the Mount Hamilton division. Los Gatos 45-14 over Soquel. Don't forget Soquel, coached by former NFL defensive back Dwight Lowry, who played at Soquel and then at both Cabrillo College and San Jose State before a nearly decade in the NFL. So Kel really stepping up their schedule playing in the Gabalon division this year, which I like. Sometimes when a smaller school gets bumped up into a higher league, they'll stack some non-league games where they know they can rack up wins to, you know, help their chances of an at-large bid. But I like scheduling up. I think it prepares you for those league games better and gives you a chance to compete better within league play and not just hope for that at-large to go get one of the auto bids, which I think is well within reach. They've got Burlingame next week, and then Soquel goes to Santa Cruz for the annual stump game, and rounds out non-league play with Scotts Valley before opening league against Salinas on Friday, September 22nd. Uh, San Mateo, 20-7 winners at El Camino. Bearcats bringing it on defense just like they did last year. They've got a really solid defensive front led by Titi Fungavaca, I believe he is a three-year starter now. I know he was injured late last year, and that definitely impacted their end-of-year results. You saw how well they played with him winning that PAL Ocean Division title. Christopher, 23-13 to 13 winners over North Monterey County. Christopher looks to contend for that Mount Hamilton title alongside Live Oak. In fact, I would say If you're making predictions, and I'm not a huge fan of preseason predictions and rankings before games have been played, but considering their returning talent, you would have to label them as a favorite. Encouraging signs for North County, though. I mean, they were in that game the whole way. That's a team that's usually been down towards the bottom of the PCAL pecking order the last few years, certainly stepping up with a solid showing there. They were into enemy territory, a couple chances to cut that game to a single score in the fourth quarter, and couldn't finish off those drives, but made some made some solid signs. They are in the northern half of the PCAL mission. So the PCAL has adopted the same thing as the BVAL this year. In past years, it was just, you know, straight up four tiers, the Gabalon Mission, Cyprus, Santa Lucia. Now they've got kind of two B divisions, the Mission North and Mission South, and North Monterey County, as their name would imply, is in the northern half of that. Seaside is the... One really s- more southern team that's in that northern half. They kind of had to cut it off somewhere with really eight teams that fit more towards the south and six to the north. So Seaside's going to be making some longer trips up 101 and have some of their league opponents be doing the same. Down in that southern half, how about Alisal, a 25-21 to 21 win over Alvarez. Always a big deal when you beat an A-league opponent. Good rivalry there. Usually an early season game. Alvarez has been a mainstay in the Gabalon division, so that's a... Big season opening win for the Alisal Trojans. Got a late defensive stop to finish that one off. Uh, other scores of note you had over thirty six 36-0 over San Jose. That game was called at halftime because of San Jose's low roster numbers. Second half would have been played with a running clock anyway. Hopefully San Jose gets things right and is able to field a more competitive team for the big bone game this coming week, the long-time rivalry against Lincoln, a game that used to always be a Thanksgiving game, and then a few years ago, the schools agreed to move it so that those teams could be eligible for the playoffs, which, while tradition had to go by the wayside, there was definitely the right thing to do in the big picture. It will be the 79th Big Bone game. Would have been on track for 80, but they did not play in 2020. Lincoln, on a... 24-game winning streak in that rivalry, so they lead the overall series 50-24 to with four ties. They'll be looking to extend that to a nice, shiny 25. And looking to bounce back from that loss to Lee. You had Westmont 23-7 over Del Mar. I saw Joseph Dykus of the Mercury News went out to catch that one. Westmont has a lot to replace from last year, including QB Zachary Zapeda, do-it-all-back Elijah Monroe. But Mason Pound, who played exclusively as safety last year, showed up when they needed it at QB. He ended up accounting for a couple of touchdowns in a 23-7 win there. Good way for Westmont to start the season. Last year, the Warriors came up a game short of the Santa Teresa Valley title, and they finished up the season at 10-2, and falling in the, in the CCS D5 semifinal. Just a couple other Thursday scores. Palma, 41-12 winners over Soledad behind a big game from Drew Molinari last night. Molinari ran for three scores, and Thomas Nunez threw for a pair of touchdowns. Palma playing much more of a local non-league schedule this year, aside from the one game against Yuma Catholic, who's going to visit from Arizona. Next week, they're at King City. That's another Thursday game. Then they've got Yuma Catholic, then they head to Alisal, and then Open League play with Monterey and a trip to Hollister, a game that, despite those schools not being super close geographically, has definitely become a pretty solid rivalry. I've also got the October 12th game at Aptos circled as one I might have to hit up. When when those teams matched up back in 2021, game that got overshadowed because that was the night St. Francis ended De La Salle's streak, but... I was just actually telling the story last night to Adrian Soriano of Cal high sports. One of the most exciting and memorable games I've ever been to. You know, the Aptos community was reeling in the aftermath of an on-campus tragedy. Just great high scoring back and forth game. You had the Aptos wing tee, Palma airing it out, Luke Rossi throwing the ball really well. Rossi, by the way, now playing baseball at USF. Anyway, Aptos scored what would have been a game-tying touchdown in the final minute, only the extra point got blocked. No worries, they recovered the onside kick and scored again three plays later and won the game 47-42. to So that's a ways down the road, but that is definitely a Thursday that I have circled. There are a couple other solid contests that night, though, including Live Oak at Leland and Piedmont Hills at Branham. But if I had to guess right now which is going to be the game to see that night, it would probably be Palma at Aptos. It's a tough stretch of games for Aptos as well. They've got Salinas the week before that, Monterey the week after, although they go from playing Thursday to playing Saturday, so they get a couple extra days off. And one of their Thursday score, a cross-division PCAL mission game. It was Seaside over Rancho San Juan, 21-7 Seaside as I mentioned earlier, in the Mission North, Rancho San Juan in the Mission South. Now, typically, don't talk a ton about North Coast section football, just because there's a lot to cover, and whereas basketball games are spread throughout the week, you know, football, just about everything's played within less than, uh, what, about 48, 72-hour window, so it's just tough to give much there, but... Liberty did start the year on a good note last night, winning 49-3 in Modesto over Enox. Good start to Mike Cable's second season as head coach. I think as he gets more established there, he's going to do really good things. Obviously, Pittsburgh's the team to beat in the Bay Valley League in recent years, but Liberty's obviously had some very strong teams, Think not long ago with Jay Butterfield, Sione Vaki, and the like. And considering what Cable was able to do, elevating that program at Prospect, which had been really at the bottom of the BVAL, the Blossom Valley pecking order, move them up towards the middle tier and kind of had them on trajectory to go even higher than that when he took the job out in Brentwood, I think they're going to be just fine at Liberty. With that, we turn our attention from Thursday to Friday and Saturday, So, some quick capsules on the biggest games in the Central Coast section this week. We get things started on Friday afternoon, 3.30 p.m., Sacred Heart Prep at Reardon. See what the new-look Crusaders bring to the table. They've brought in a few big-time transfers, including wide receiver Chris Lawson, who was formerly at Foothill in Pleasanton. Quarterback Mike Mitchell impressed as a freshman last year when he had had the time in the pocket later in the year some of the WCAL pass rushes made that difficult but you saw the explosiveness the ability to read the field and now he's got some big time targets including Lawson you've also got a highly touted freshman by the name of Wesley Wynn at receiver and corner you've got Sinai Thomas who transferred in from Menlo Atherton his brother Skyler played at MA and then their older brother Darius was a stud at St. Francis playing both football and basketball. He was a 2016 grad. Was a fun point guard on what was one of the more dominant basketball teams the Central Coast section has seen in the last decade. The only team to go 14-0 in WCAL play and win the CCS Open division. Other new additions to the Crusaders, sophomore linemen Michael Langi and Tommy Tofi. Kalolo Kaihea, or Taaga, depending on which which roster you look at, only played basketball last year. Within a week of playing football, was piling up the D1 offers and then committed to San Jose State, excited to see what he can do. You also got junior lineman Peter Lange, and then one of the more undersized linemen that I really appreciated as a defensive tackle last year, Mikotoa Scanlon. 275? but only 5'9", really liked how he played even as the Crusaders went on a six-game losing streak to finish the season. He brought it every week, even against the likes of that Sarah line. So excited for another big season for him. Looking forward to seeing what he and the rest of the Crusaders bring to the table today against a Sacred Heart prep team that, if you recall, beat Reardon last year 35-7. Now, that SHP team was... Very senior heavy, had a rock-solid defense. You can usually expect the Gators, you know, they run the fly offense, they control the ball well. Gonna be some new names that really factor in this year, although on the line you'll have one big returner in, Aselli Fangupo, who's gonna be in his third year starting already as junior. You want storylines? San Ramon Valley brings back most of last year's NorCal 2A champ. SI has a new head coach in Lenny Vandermaid, a rare hire from outside of the WCAL bubble, and if you want top talents, I mean, you've got quarterback studs in Luke Baker and Soren Hummel, plus we'll see if Brandon Mann gets some reps, highly touted sophomore transferred to SI after starting as a freshman at Leland, defensive end Marco Jones for SRV has SEC offers, John Powell Mendoza has big-time reputation as a running back and linebacker to the point where I haven't seen SRV play in the last two seasons, and I'm quite familiar with him. SI lineman John Mills has drawn interest from teams that are about to leave the Pac-12. Linebacker Sui gallegos hunking at a really solid sophomore year and looks to keep it up as a junior. And I just, I always enjoy matchups between the EBAL and WCAL in any sport. Schools that just feel like they line up and make good on-field matchups, no matter what the situation is. I know in a couple weeks... Bellerman hosts Monta Vista as well. Bellerman also with a new coach this year, former Denver Broncos lineman David Diaz-Infante. Kind of a late change in the coaching ranks there. I believe it was during the spring that former head coach Jalal Bushman stepped down. Fortunately, if you're coming in as late in the cycle as Diaz-Infante is, the cupboard is not bare. You got a team led by... Quarterback Parker Threat, tight end Joe Fuqua, who I really liked last season, wide receiver Colin Lakaraju. He was hurt a lot of last year, but really impressive as a deep threat. Uh, ben Coulter at linebacker, Bennett Anderson at, at both offensive and defensive tackle. I think a lot of people are going to be sleeping on the bells this year after graduating guys like Nate Escalada and Ben Foff, and I think they're going to be much more solid than people realize. You know, they're also always great in the special teams department with Connor Tripp seems like Bellerman just runs out a line of D1 ready kickers every single season and it kind of blows my mind that you see some of the college kickers that are out there when bellerman has got two or three guys on their roster that can kick at that level instantly as I said they're going up against Menlo Atherton tonight life without jury on Dickey for the Bears although he was injured pretty early last season the name you keep hearing when you hear about Menlo Atherton is Alec Marshall, six foot seven tight end, who's in for a massive senior season. Other notable Friday night games, St. Francis hosting Helix, one of the most accomplished public schools from the San Diego area. They're from La Mesa, one of the eastern San Diego suburbs, alma mater of Alex Smith, Reggie Bush, Bill Walton, his brother Bruce, who played for the Cowboys on the offensive line. If you follow baseball closely, you may know Jake Reed, reliever with a funky delivery. He's bounced back and forth between the Dodgers and other organizations a bunch of times. He's been on three different stints with the Dodgers, actually, in the last three seasons. Carl Durrell and Levine Toilolo round out that really impressive list of Helix alums. St. Francis non-league schedule all out of section this year and all big ones. Helix, then the trip to Monterey Trail, and then they host De La Salle. Clayton Valley at Salinas, going to be a lot of fresh faces on both sides in that game. Last year it was kind of Salinas' we-demand-to-be-taken-seriously moment, the 21-14 road win with a late red zone interception to seal that game. Cowboys graduated a stellar senior class that reached the CCSD won semifinals last year, so you could justifiably call them the third or fourth best team in the entire section. And based on results, easily the best public school. They do graduate in Isaiah Hunter. He's at Cal now. Quarterback Adam Schaefer is gone as well, but you bring back strong receiver and Jake Yeater and one of the section's best kickers, Isaac Mansara, which will certainly help them in tight games. Clayton Valley, first game as sole head coach for Nick Tisa. He had been co-head coach with Tim Murphy in recent years. A couple other matchups that I like, Mountain View and Kings Academy. That was a season opener last year, and it was a game that you had a ridiculous amount of media at because it was a Thursday night game. That was Tim Lugo's first game coaching the Spartans. They'll be meeting at Kings Academy for a second year in a row, so not quite a home and home there. Mountain View up in the PAL Bay Division. Remember, the PAL changed their structure this year. It's now just a straight power league, five divisions, top to bottom. Really A, B, C, and D, or I guess more accurately, kind of an A+, A-, B+, B-, and C if we're going by really the official classifications and number of playoff berths. And Kings Academy coming off a strong season last year. They were young. Quarterback Reed Black just a sophomore last year. Running back Jaden Underwood had a monster season. You return those two. Underwood now a senior. Black now a junior. Also really like Lucas Morris as a linebacker and running back last year. He's in for a big senior season as well. So don't sleep on Kings Academy. They are in that, in what is now the PAL De Anza division, alongside the likes of Half Moon Bay and Hillsdale. Hillsdale going out on the road to open the season at Livermore. Rare out of section appearance for the Fighting Knights. Should get a taste of a real good crowd so long as they can fight through the traffic on highways 92 and 580. Half Moon Bay, by the way, they open with Leland tonight. I think that's just a really good matchup because that's two programs that know how to do a lot with. Limited roster numbers, a lot of two- and even three-way guys. You know, you're playing every snap, offense, defense, special teams. One other really interesting matchup on this Friday night slate that usually gets a lot of attention because it's two very well-established programs, Wilcox and Valley Christian. Last year, obviously, a difficult one for a Valley Christian team that had, I believe it was six seniors at the start of the year and injuries thinned that number down to three or four by the end. Wilcox won that game 35-13 last season. Year before that, Valley raced to a 54-33 win. That was a fun one. That was kind of the Jackson Berman jury on Dickey show, the opening game of Dickey's junior year. But they'll meet once again at Valley tonight, two teams that really run the ball effectively. You know, Wilcox runs their lightning-quick version of the Veer, whereas Valley likes to get their hands in the ground and chew up clock. Other than that, quick look around, Oakdale at Aptos, that's two terrific public school programs that'll be meeting for the third time in the last five years. Oakdale, a seven-point win over Sonora to open the season last week. Remember, a lot of the SAC Joaquin section played what they call Week Zero. Last year, Aptos beat the Mustangs 39-29 on the road. Two teams that play lightning-quick ground-based games. I've said my piece about Randy Blankenship and Aptos a million times. He runs an incredible version of the wing T offense. They rattle their plays off so quickly. It's one of those blink and you miss it. You don't realize who has the ball. And instead of three yards in a cloud of dust, it's, you know, eight-yard gain, eight-yard gain, 20-yard gain, and then a 40-yard touchdown. Also, Oak Grove at Hollister. Oak Grove started to plant some seeds last year under head coach Joel Cordero in his first year. Looks like they've only got 29 guys on the roster, but that's a program with such a great history of success, even as a lot of kids that would get zoned to Oak Grove have been heading to some of the WCAL schools in recent years. And any game at Hollister is a big deal. As much of a pain as it can be to get down there, I'm trying to head there next Thursday when they host. Host Wilcox because it's just a terrific atmosphere. Andy Harden Stadium's a blast. The whole town comes out. The barbecue's great. You got to get some of the Baylor beans. So, any Oak Grove fans making the trip down or anyone who's seen plays at Hollister this year, get there early because the line gets long and come with an empty stomach. The big game Saturday is, of course, Folsom at Sarah. There are a billion different previews of that game that you can already read this is supposed to be the best team from i've been saying since this senior class came in as freshmen this is likely to be the best team sarah's had and they've had some great ones but you have a defense led by jabari man joseph bay danny new colin tahitua all his seniors malawaki smith at qb Teddy Chung, who had a great sophomore season in the secondary, now is a junior. Keon Loud entering his senior season. Jaden Green as a senior. What makes this Sarah team so impressive is just the number of really strong players they have that just kind of go as one of many really good players that on any other team would be, you know, the guy that... The number of top-tier players they have is just ridiculous, and I look forward to this game, even though a noon kickoff is going to be a tough one, especially for those of us that, like me, aren't morning people and or are working late Friday night. I'm both of those things. Last year, Sarah won that game 17-12, to got a late fumble recovery to preserve the lead and then conceded to safety, kind of like the Ravens did in... Super Bowl 47. Just just want to mention that again. That was a game with guys cramping up left and right. All sorts of injuries, heat, fatigue, you name it. And even though these teams have, you know, 60, 70 guys on the roster, depth became an issue and Sarah really had to grind that one out. Should be much more pleasant conditions for this one, a nice 76 degree afternoon. Although it does get hot out there, especially if you're up in the press box. Fortunately, if you are in the press box, can always count on the great Ed Taylor, Sarah's PA announcer, always has a few cans of Coca-Cola in the mini-fridge. Other big-time Saturday matchups, CCS versus NCS, Sacred Heart Cathedral hosting Pittsburgh, a rare fight in Irish day game at Keysar Stadium. First game for new Pittsburgh head coach Charlie Ramirez, who had been on Vic Galley's staff for a long time. Pirates obviously graduated an insane receiver room from last year, and QB Jaden Rashada, who will be the starter at Arizona State to open his freshman season. So exciting for everyone who watched him as a high schooler to see how he takes these next steps. Obviously, his athletic upside is out of this world. I mean, having watched him, it's like you can point at the dude and say, That guy could be an Olympic hurdler right now. And I'm excited to see how he fits in a D1 offense and learns how to kind of handle things like the pocket collapsing. Obviously, though, he is not wearing Pittsburgh black and orange anymore. QB Marley Alcantara, who backed up Rashada and played a couple games when Rashada dealt with illness and injuries, Should be the starter, and while they graduated the likes of Kai Taylor, Zachary Card, and Rasheed Williams, they do still have a big-time receiver and defensive back in junior, Jaden Hudson. Sacred Heart Cathedral is a team that, frankly, a lot of people are sleeping on this year. They graduated two massive stars in Jerry Mixon Jr. and R.L. Miller. They also graduated a really solid running back in Kendrick Sanders, but... They return a lot on the line, led by Benny Hatch and Zahir Young. You've got experience at QB and Aiden McGrath, who really before last year didn't have all that much football experience. He was always a baseball kid. So he was learning things very quickly. And while it's going to be tough to replace the big playability of Mixon and Miller, you know, having a guy like Mixon that could just go strip a ball on any play, I think the Irish are going to be a much more solid and consistent team than people expect, and I know the Mercury News had them at the bottom of their projected WCAL standings. I wouldn't give them bulletin board material. I also think the SHC secondary, even without Miller, they bring back a lot of really strong players that I'm looking forward to watching, including Mickey Williams, Caleb Rollins, Danilo Salgado, and Jason Mabry. So that's going to be a tough team to pass on, and that secondary is going to get tested right away against Pittsburgh. SHC's non-league schedule, by the way, how about this? You start off hosting Pitt, then you're at Sacred Heart Prep next Saturday, and then you finish it off with a trip to Wilcox. Then you have your bye week and you open WCAL play with Sarah, a trip to Middy and home games against Valley Christian and St. Francis before the Bruce Mahoney. They're not shying away from anybody. Obviously, that's just kind of a small roundup of some of the big games this week. There are others within the North Coast section, other CCS matchups that at the moment are flying under the radar, but will end up being thrilling games, and I'll be sure to detail those on our Week 1 recap. Our episode thus far has been football this and football that, and understandably so. But before we hit our break, I do want to add one important piece of basketball news as Reardon senior Zion Sensley announced his commitment to St. Mary's last night. Sensley, a 6'8 combo guard who spent his freshman year at Reardon, then spent the next two seasons at Prolific Prep. Honestly, it's hard to tell you much about him because I haven't seen a ton of him in a real high school setting. The only time I really got to see him play was in that spring 2021 season when he certainly showed off a lot of range as a shooter, but that season was so hard to draw any conclusions out of. You had... Games getting canceled and scheduled on a moment's notice. You had players missing games for AAU commitments because the AAU schedule had been determined long before any sort of high school schedule. And then spent the next two years at Prolific Prep, where obviously you're playing alongside a ton of talent, but at times he was stuck in a bench role. And it's just as good as the competition at these national prep programs are you don't get the high school experience. You don't get to play in front of, you know, the screaming student sections and stuff. So this will really be his first chance to have a true high school basketball experience. When he played as a freshman at Reardon, remember, they were playing in front of limited crowds of just parents, basically. So he is currently ranked 43rd by ESPN. He is ranked 105th by 24-7, depending on what, measure you look at he's either a three or four star recruit if you're into using stars to determine things I'm not but it definitely gives you a sense of how people perceive him he chose St. Mary's over Alabama Arizona State Hawaii and LSU obviously considering how much range he has as a shooter. The offensive upside is tremendous, and you know, if there's anything to work on defensively, the St. Mary's coaches will certainly enjoy working with him considering how much length he has, and you know that that's a program that they'll drill defense into you. Uh, one other local player that's joining the ranks at St. Mary's this year is Granada center Andrew McKeever, who was a monster. He gave him the ball in the paint. He was a bucket every time, and is going to only get better as a defender because the St. Mary's coaches, you know, that's their calling card. So I think it's a match made in heaven there, and you're going to see a lot of Bay Area representation on that Gales roster, even with Logan Johnson gone, you know, the Aiden Mahaney, Andrew McKeever, Zion Sensley combination, assuming things stay intact. You never know in this world uh, of the transfer portal, but could be a lot of fun there. But before all that happens, I'm just excited to see Sensley have a real high school season because, as I have mentioned and as I've discussed with head coach Joey Curtin, they, he hasn't really had a chance to do that. And now he's going to get a chance to just be a high school kid and play high-level high school basketball, go with his team to Gridley, play in the NorCal tip-off, play at MLK, play the WCAL schedule, And that's going to be a lot of fun for a Reardon team that's obviously going to come in with very high expectations, returning another big-time recruit in Jasir Rensher and one of my personal favorite players. If you know me, you know how much I enjoyed watching Andrew Hillman as a freshman, kid from Cameroon. He moved into point guard duties at the end of the year when they had players suspended for that NorCal game against Granada. And I'm excited to see him take on more of that role because he was natural. He had 20 points and 9 assists playing point guard on three days' notice. So, going to be exciting to see what he can do with a full year under his belt. That's the one piece of basketball news that I really had to get to. With that, it's time for a quick break. You're going to hear from our newest and greatest sponsor, and then we're going to bring in Gus Morris from the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. Today's episode is brought to you by loud jv parents when it's 5 p.m on a friday and the marching band and student section are nowhere to be found you can always count on loud jv parents is your team undefeated or winless doesn't matter loud jv parents will always come through with cowbells and horns they'll yell for holding on every play even if there isn't holding and they'll be as loud as they come you can always count on loud jv parents It is now time for the first interview in the history of the Bay Preps Insider Podcast. For that, we have Gus Morris from the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. First off, Gus, welcome. I just want to ask you, is it, you know, a big honor to be the first guest in Bay Prep's Insider history? Or are you <laughs> a little nervous, a little excited? What's What's going well, through your mind right now?
1: Well, I didn't. Uh, you didn't tell me I was the first ever guest, so now I now I think I am a little nervous. Um, no, it's it's uh, it's 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 great to be here. Um, thanks for having me on. Big honor though for sure. Um, you know to be the first guest here, but uh, yeah, ready to get it going. Um, I, again, like I was saying, kind of before we started recording here, but love that you're kind of sticking in the space. Um, you know, I know you've been a you've been a big voice in the Bay Area sports. Um, you know, prep scene for a while, and um, you know, I know you're kind of in between jobs right now. But again, I love that you're, you know, kind of doing this and, and still giving, um, you know, giving this this uh, you know, this topic of high school sports in the Bay Area, you know, the coverage that it deserves. Because, um, you know, again, it's something you know that I've been around for a while, and um, definitely think that you know your voice is very important in this. So, um, yeah, I uh, I like that you're doing this, and thanks for having me on for your first guest.
0: Appreciate that. So one of the big stories. Leading into the season, and the reason I wanted to have you on is there's been a situation unfolding at Cardinal Newman. And with you being at the Press Democrat, you seem uniquely qualified to talk about it. So to my knowledge, here's here's what I know. Basically, the Press Democrat did a story explaining some of the allegations made by former players at Newman against the head football coach Richard Sanchez. And in the aftermath of that, coaches have, you know, taken some steps. They told you guys to leave one of their practices and the schools kind of put up a stricter policy about media covering games and contacting athletes. Is that pretty much the gist of it?
1: Yeah. So, um, not something, you know, again, I've been, I've been, uh, around the high school sports world. You know, I, I did some coverage when I was in college up in Oregon and then I've been, um, you know, around the North Bay for most of my, you know, for basically my entire professional career over Napa and Moran. And now I've been in Sonoma for two, two and a half years now. And I, and I grew up here too. So, um, I have a pretty kind of good, you know, good lay of the land, but yeah. Um, it's, it's been an interesting few weeks for us, um, you know, and in our relationship with Newman. Um, yeah. So, so kind of just kind of just to expand a bit and add a bit more context. So yeah, there is a it's a former player, uh, a black player, who is um, suing Sanchez and uh, a, a few of, uh, uh, of the other school leaders, like uh, the athletic director Monica Myrtle and the school president uh, Lyndon Norman. Um, you know, he's you know this player is alleging that um, you know Sanchez had uh, you know would would call him and other player uh, you know black players and players of color um, racist nicknames. Um, uh you know there's kind of a whole saga about this going on in in february march but essentially this kid came forward or this kid's alleging that he came forward with this you know with this complaint to the school uh the school kicked him off the school and sanchez kicked him off the team um he then went public with his uh kind of allegations and complaints and then the school um expelled him um or at least disenrolled him is the language that they used so um Uh, So we knew about this kind of back in the, uh, in the, in the winter, spring, I guess, you know, February, March, when it was going on. Um, But the family, you know, finally filed a lawsuit uh, in July. um, And we wrote about it about two weeks ago. Um, You know, it's a news story, um, you know, involving a current head coach. Uh, Anyway, um, we wrote about it on a Tuesday Um, the weekend prior, I had kind of set up a time with Sanchez to come out and, you know, uh, As you do kind of for these preseason, you know, football ramp ups, you know, I was going to go out and, you know, see their practice, talk to some players, kind of do a whole season preview on them. Um, I had set that up the weekend prior that we had written about the lawsuit. We wrote about the lawsuit on Tuesday. Um, Wednesday, I was supposed to go out to practice. Uh, There was a little back and forth between me and Sanchez uh, and the the, the school president. She did not want us to go out there. She thought we were going to be speaking about the lawsuit. Um, I, you know, we just said that it was going to be about football. Um, and so I went out, um, Sanchez kicked me off of campus and threatened to call 911, saying I was trespassing. Um, or at least, you know, that that's kind of what he was saying was I wasn't welcome there. Um, and uh, yeah, we wrote a story on that. Um, and then in response to, I guess, kind of all that stuff, we asked them the next week, like what's going on with our access? Like how, how are, how are we going to be covering you guys this year? Or like, are we banned? What's going on? And yeah, and then they, they, they responded with that, um, with their new social media uh, guidelines, which kind of made the rounds all over uh, California Preps, uh, Preps reporting Twitter uh, last, I think that was last week. Um, and yeah, I, that's kind of where we are now. Um, you know, they're, they're, they, they kick off their season tomorrow. Um, we're going to be trying to include them in a, in a roundup. Um, we'll see how that goes. Um, but yeah, it's been an interesting, uh, couple of weeks, um, just around all this stuff. Uh, you know, um, the, the Newman community from, you know, from what I've heard is, um, you know, a lot of people are kind of circling the wagons and I know a lot of the parents, um, you know, just want their kids to have, to have a, a, a non-drama, um, or a, I, I guess, um, you know, it's already pretty dramatic at this point, but they just, they just, they, they want to lessen the drama, I guess, for this whole situation. So, um, you know, I th- uh, at at this point, it seems like Newman is sticking with Sanchez. He'll be their head coach heading into the season, and um, yeah, we're we're gonna. It'll be an inter- in, interesting to see kind of how um how we're able to cover that team specifically this year. Um, yes, yeah, so just just kind of with our relationship with you know, or I, I guess lack thereof, kind of where it is right now. So yeah, but the um but the social media or the 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 media guidelines that they had sent out um. You know, kind of in response to us, uh, uh, I guess, to, in kind of response to what, it, you know, what had happened the week prior was pretty interesting. And there was a lot of people weighing in, um, you know, like uh, I, I know Joe Davidson from the SACP weighed in. I know Darren Sabedra from Mercury News weighed in, uh, you know, prep reporters, you know, up and down the county or the, the state were weighing in, really. Um, and it's not. And again, it's 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 totally fine for a school to kind of, you know, do whatever they want, you know, as far as this. But it's just going to make it more difficult for us. Um, to cover them, how we have in the past. Um, Yeah. And, and, and so I'm not quite sure how this season will look. Um, You know, they, they are trying to, um, you know, they're trying to, to, to get every single uh, interview that we do with any coaches, any, any, um, uh, any players, they want all of that cleared um, through the athletic department, through their, through their athletic director before we do that. Um, Historically, again, it's, it's pretty common for us. And I'm sure you you can relate to this too. Is it's pretty common for a high school sports reporter to reach out to a coach, or reach out to a player, and you know, for whatever they need, kind of interviews, whatever, um, you know, professionally, obviously, but um that you know, there's usually not a lot of stringent rules about, you know, media access and stuff. So um yeah, I, I have not seen something like what Newman has kind of presented ever, ever before in high school. Um, and you know, obviously I you know, I covered Oregon football for a couple of years and this kind of reminds me of some stuff with that where all, you know, all interview, you know, all interview requests kind of have to go through the athletic department and, um, you know, strict rules about who you get after games and whatnot, but definitely a first seeing this uh, at the high school level.
0: Yeah. So the, the policy in question, it looks like they basically copied what De La Salle officially has, although mm-hmm. I've never had issues with anything at De La Salle, just like knowing if it's going to be a big crowd and Dale having small facilities. Usually I just, you know, reach out to coach or athletic department in advance, just making sure, you know, cause usually the, the way it's done is, you know, you just show up, show your pass and they welcome you in. Yep. You know, for, for bigger games, it is, you know, there are occasions where it's like capacities and issues. So you do reach mm-hmm. out in advance, but it was, I think it was more the optics and the timing of that. And it, I think it drew some comparisons at least for me to what had gone on at modern day, which, which for those who don't remember. So back in like 2021, you know, there are all the hazing allegations at modern day. And after the state football championship head coach did not speak to the media at all. And only a couple of players were brought out for a couple of questions with someone from the athletic department standing right there, filtering and monitoring everything like I had wanted to interview one of their defensive backs about this great chase down tackle he had made and, you know, couldn't get a word from him. And what sucks about these sorts of situations is that a lot of times it's the athletes that lose out, you know, they get less coverage. And our goal here is to highlight the athletes and their achievements. And a lot of times that kind of gets lost in all of this.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, No, I, 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 uh... It will be interesting to see kind of how they enforce this policy, and and I and I do think it'll be interesting to kind of you know w- w- once we do get out and cover some Newman games and see how they do this. It'll be interesting to kind of compare it to, yeah, how modern day kind of handled things last year. And um, yeah, I so 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 a little thing too is is that you know we're um you know again we're we're going to be including them in a roundup, um you know like we do uh you know every Friday night you know we can't cover every every single game but. We always pick a few games, you know, um, to call a few head coaches and get some details and stats and whatnot, you know, for, um, you know, just for uh, coverage sake, you know, so we'll include like four or five games in a roundup. And so um, New- uh, Newman's game tomorrow night on Friday, uh, we're, we're talking on August 24th right now, uh, the t- on, so their, their season opening game on the 25th is we're going to have a freelancer uh, be calling their head coach, be calling Sanchez and trying to kind of get some some notes and stuff on the game. Um, and so we had our freelancer reach out to, uh, you know, to the, to Sanchez directly actually today. Um, and he actually, he never got a response from Sanchez, but he got, he got a response from, from the athletic director. Um, I think she thought, I I guess our freelancer hadn't made it clear that he was going to be calling the coach. And so she was, she was checking in to be like, Hey, like when you get here, let me know. And I can, you know, get you your pass and, you know, show you kind of where you can be and all this different stuff. Um, so that was kind of our first taste i guess of of what this could look like this year is that it seems like if we do cover or if and when we do cover games at cardinal newman is it's is it sounds like it's going to be uh probably pretty supervised um uh, but yeah i mean again it's i'm i'm just kind of speculating here but just kind of judging by the by the tone of um of that message and judging by you know again what the what the ad was saying um yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if, uh, if if we probably have eyes on us the whole time that we're covering Newman games. So, um, you know, I guess, I guess there's, you know, we'll find out once we actually do cover them. But um, I'm also curious to, to kind of see how this is, uh, how this will be enforced at away games. Um, you know, because Newman, it sounds like, you know, they want to give us, you know, specific press passes once we actually get, you know, onto campus for for games on their campus. But for away games, um, you know, it's it's someone else's school, someone else's property. So, Um, uh, I imagine we're not going to have to face similar rules like that, but I don't know. I guess we'll, we'll have to find out and see.
0: Yeah. I mean, you know, some schools they'll, they'll issue, you know, field passes for, for games, etc. The other tough thing here is, you know, covering a story like this can be hard because as a local publication, you've got a need to maintain relationships and keep up appearances, something that. I think we've all had to deal with at times is like, you know, how do you go about letting the public know what they need to be informed on while still, you know, making sure that you have these relationships and these contacts so that you have access. And that's one of the most difficult things here.
1: Yeah. And, um, yeah. And, and, and that again, I mean, you know, we're kind of in this weird little limbo phase right now where we're not quite, you know, we're not quite sure uh what anything will really look like kind of once we once we try to start covering them as we have in the past um you know i haven't spoken with sanchez since any of this stuff kind of happened I haven't really spoken with myrtle um who i ever uh, who i feel like i i, I have or ha- had i guess maybe a pretty decent relationship with before this um but you're right you know we are you know kind of the uh, we're the we're the paper of record here in sonoma county you know we've covered all these schools you know newman for you know decades um and also too for for your audience who might not know you know newman is a is a you know catholic school north bay powerhouse uh you know especially up here in sonoma county i mean um uh, you know they've gone to back to i think they've gone to something like seven or eight straight um ncs division four title games they're up in division three this year and i wouldn't be surprised if they make a if they make a deep run again this year um they won a state title a couple years ago they've been to three state title games in the last 20 uh last 20 years they have a bunch of um you know, alumni, you know, uh, who are playing in college, you know, a couple of guys who had some stints in the NFL. Um, so they're a very prestigious school up here. Um, and all, and, and I'm sure you run into this too, but you know, people always complain that we cover them too much. Um, but you know, unfortunately, you know, they're, they're a good team, you know, they're, they're a good school and a good program. So we all get, you know, so yeah, we can't just ignore them. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, you're right. There is there is kind of a balancing act here of, you know, we obviously need to be fair and we need to, you know, cover things that are news, but it is a bit of, a, of an interesting tightrope to walk when, you know, again, one of the, uh, you know, one of the people you have to have a relationship with is, you know, facing some pretty serious allegations and is upset with you for reporting on those, um, even though it's your job. So it does seem like they're kind of punishing the messenger a little bit here um, when, you know, we're just doing our jobs. So I... You know, I don't. Again, I I, I think I'm just going to be saying this a lot of this pod, but I don't really know what to expect for the rest of the season. Um, you know, I'm sure the next time that Sanchez and I talk, it will probably be a pretty. I um, wouldn't be surprised if it was a tense conversation, a short conversation. Um, but you know, again, I think you know, back to your point too. I think that um, you know, we're just trying to do this, uh, or we're just trying to kind of keep uh keep the focus of the kids here. You know, I mean, that's that's you know, kind of the whole priority about high school sports reporting is it's all about the kids. And every once in a while, you know, you do have to cover some unfortunate news, but that's, that's the nature of the game. So we're trying to kind of keep a focus on the kids here. Um, and of course, you know, the lawsuit probably, you know, I've, the first court date for this thing isn't until January. And they honestly could even settle out of court before then too. So um, who even knows what's going to happen with that. But yeah, it is going to be an interesting and a new challenge this year, especially for, or for me, I guess, just to kind of, how do you balance that relationship with, you know, doing your job? Because that's what we're here to do. So um, I, like, I don't know. I mean, I don't like, have you ever had any experiences like this? Um, you know, I'm sure you've, you've, you've ticked off some, some coaches, you know, with what you've written before, but, um, how did you kind of go about hand, handling those, uh, those relationships after the fact?
0: Yeah, it's difficult. You kind of feel like you're walking on eggshells at times and, you know, there's mm-hmm. different parties that you have to reach out to. And obviously you guys as a reputable, reputable publication did all that, you know, reaching out to all the, all the entities for comment as you're writing this story, you know, it's not like they're getting blindsided by the story being released. And,
1: yeah, no, yeah, exactly. Well, sorry, sorry, continue.
0: And it's just difficult to balance that when you're, you know, explaining you know, an uncomfortable situation while also trying to maintain your relationships. It's like, you know, having those good relationships, is how you get access, it's how you make sure, you know, you get, you get breaking news and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I wanted to add to something you said about, you know, Newman being, you know, a big time program it's to the point where like before I was in high school and not having any older siblings, I didn't really know anything about high school sports until I was in high school. Mm-hmm. Like that was a program that I was like well aware of their existence. Right. You know, just like you open up the sports section in the Chronicle on Saturday, you would see their football scores. So that's, you know, that's just kind of goes to, to that point. And I'm sure it'll make make for interesting games this year and just an interesting environment every game that they're involved in
1: yeah what was your um when you uh when were you in high school too by the way because i'm trying to look back at at
0: those 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 years i graduated in 2014
1: okay cool me too um yeah that was so i mean same kind of thing was i had a ton of friends um you know i mean you know newman is kind of i'm trying to find like a like a south bay um comparison I, I i guess it's our i mean like it's to to a lesser i guess um uh uh talent degree it's it's kind of like our sarah a little bit um
0: yeah you know, maybe just, yeah maybe a little bit like like palma if you go further south you know yeah private yeah, school not, in a league with public schools
1: totally yeah so it's it, exactly i mean again it's 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 the catholic powerhouse of our region so they they get a lot of kids who are not um you know who might be from, you know from other towns and you know, that always, of course, rubs people the wrong way. Um, but you know, that's, that's just, you know, Catholic schools being Catholic schools and that, or private schools being private schools specifically. But, um, yeah, I mean, that ba- back in those days too, I mean, they were, um, a state powerhouse almost every year. Um, you know, that was back to when they had, uh, when, you know, when they had their, their, um, uh, you know, beloved old hood, old head coach, Paul Cronin, he's now up at Ukiah. Um, yeah, I mean they I under Paul, I mean, again, you know, he's he's the second winningest coach all time in um in Sonoma County history. Um over 200 wins. Uh, you know, again, he was kind of one of the guys who led Newman to to a lot of that success that uh kind of over that time frame too. I mean, um, yeah, I mean, I think they, you know, they went to three state title games. They won their first one in 2019, um, you know, right before kind of COVID, you know, threw a wrench into, in you know, into everything the next year. But yeah, I mean, historically they've been one of the premier um, you know, one of the premier programs, especially in our area, but I'd say in, in all the North Bay.
0: Yeah. I remember when he was, a when he was tearing it up in college, Scooby Wright being from mm-hmm. there, he was, you know, despite being a little bit on the smaller side of his position, he was an absolute monster at Arizona. Just wanted to mention how much fun it was to watch him, you know, talk about a guy who just got to the ball every play.
1: It's pretty funny too, because, uh, so I went to Oregon and, um, the first ever Oregon football game that I went to, I think, you know, Marcus Mariota, I think it was, it was 20, it was uh, the 2014, uh, 2014 season. Uh, they went to the, I believe they went to the national championship that year. Um, I believe so. Yeah. It, but in the first game that I saw their first home game with students on campus, they played Arizona. I think or Oregon was ranked like top 10. And this was, I think Scooby Wright's like sophomore year where he was like a Heisman finalist. Um, and I think he had he had a n- crazy game. I think he had like I don't know what he had exactly, but he was just like a total game wrecker. Um, and and it was just so funny, like it, or in, in, in Arizona, you know, went into Oregon and actually beat Oregon, you know, in Eugene. And it was just such a funny moment for me to be like, man, I'm, I'm all the way up here in, in Eugene and, and, uh, and Newman and a Newman guy is still is still tearing it up over here. Um, that was that was kind of a cool like hometown moment for me. Um, yeah, Scooby for sure is, is I'd say one of their biggest alumni that, you know, that we have
0: up here. I, I still remember that game and there was like an unsportsmanlike penalty on Oregon in the fourth quarter. There was pretty significant or some, something like that. It was either that or a late hit anyway, to center this back to, Yeah, 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 to what's going on now, um, you know, what's briefly just what's kind of the forecast for the, nbl this year i know windsor's coming off the dramatic league title last year and typically it's been newman windsor rancho katade what's what's kind of the forecast for that league because you know with football i'm pretty much within the ccs and occasionally san francisco section so what's 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 what do things look like up there
1: yeah i mean you kind of laid it out um it's looking like it's going to be um you know windsor is uh has uh you know, coming off of last year, you know, they were the NCS division three runners up, um, nearly won a a came back at a almost won a crazy game against El Cerrito, um, in that division three title game comeback came up just short in the fourth quarter, but they bring back essentially every single skill player from that team. They have, I think they graduated all five of their, of their starting linemen. Um, I think on the offensive side, I think a lot of those guys played both ways too, but, um, yeah, I mean they they bring back uh, everybody on offense essentially on you know outside running backs, quarterback. Um, they also got a, a huge impact transfer um, and a three star wide receiver, defensive back from Rancho Cototti, um Ananias Walker. Um, he's going to have to sit, uh, I think, for the first four games of the year, but he's going to be a huge impact player for them. Um, yeah, I mean Windsor literally with uh, with with Ananias and with um, Hayden Anderson, who's going to be a junior this year. That's probably the best one-two outside punch, maybe in the entire North Bay. Um, and it might even be up there uh, in Northern California as a whole. I mean, those guys are both three-star, uh, three-star prospects, uh, crazy athletes. I mean, Hayden was the it was the NBL Oak MVP last year as a sophomore. Um, so that's going to be really, really fun to watch. And they have a bunch of guys from their defense back. Um, they revamped their coaching staff. And they actually have more depth on the line this year. Not as much uh, veteran play, but – um, I'm, I'm expecting again, a very, very big year from Windsor and they're actually up in, uh, in NCS division two this year. And I think El Cerrito was up as well. Um, so that could be fun coming down the stretch. Um, but yeah, I think it's again, so our preseason rankings, we went Windsor one Newman two, and then Rancho three, um, you know, uh, you know, despite all the drama and stuff with Newman, they have a very, very good team this year. A lot of guys back, their defense should be really good. Um, and then Rancho, uh. Uh, Rancho the last two years. So Rancho won the MBL Oak two years ago and they finished second last year. The, their only loss was to uh, was to Windsor. Um, but yeah, they should be an interesting team this year that I kind of have a lot of questions about. But um, they're they're a very, very consistent program. Um, but they lost their all league quarterback and they lost, uh, you know, Ananias Walker again. who was going to be probably their, their their top offensive returner. Um, and then they also had a uh, three or four star wide receiver defensive back uh, who graduated. He's, he's playing at Cal now. And they also lost, um, they're all, their I think their alignment of the year, um, Malik Cleveland, who's, uh, who's at UC Davis now. Um, so they have a lot of pieces to replace. Um, again, they're a very consistent program uh, year in, year out. They always, they always, you know, find some time in the rough and um, you know, are, are a very, very good program. And they have a very, very hard preseason schedule too. So um yeah, so it, it's it's just historically it's always been those three, and I think it will be those three teams again this year. Um, but then kind of outside of that, you know, Saint Vincent, uh, who's been a small school powerhouse over in Petaluma, um, they should have 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 a pretty good year again this year. They lost again, same kind of thing. They lost a ton of guys from last year. Um, you know, Kyle Hall, who was uh, who last year set our all-time area rushing record. I think he's playing at San Diego now. Um, and then a couple other guys who were, um, especially with studs for them. So they have a lot of guys to replace, but same kind of thing, uh, with their program the last couple of years, um, their head coach, Trent Herzog, who, uh, um, who was at Casa Grande for a number of years and, uh, was actually Elijah Qualls, um, you know, head coach too, back in the day. Um, they, uh, they, he's created a very, very consistent program there too. So. Um, I think they should be, they should probably be um, again, a, a, a pretty good competitor in division six. Um, and then outside of that, it's, it's, it's kind of a bit of a mystery. I mean, there's a lot of teams who are who lost a lot. Um, we have Casa Grande as our number five team in our rankings. Um, just, you know, they have a ton of guys, they kind of spread it out, air raid, big, big passing offense, um, but same kind of thing. A lot of, a lot of new guys, but a lot of new guys up from their good JV team last year. But so outside of those kind of top four um, uh, it's, it's a bit of a question mark. Um now I did also kind of mention Paul Cronin too, and Ukiah should be really kind of interesting to watch this year. Um, you know, their Division Three team. I, uh, you know, their, uh, you know, Ukiah is like it, it's it's all the way up in um, in Mendocino County, but you know, historically they've always played in the North Bay League, um, you know, for forever. Uh, I yeah and 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 they're kind of the only big uh big public school up in mendocino so they get a lot of you know a lot of those kind of um or you know a lot of athletes from all over the place in mendocinos and and now that you know cronin's there i mean cronin is um you know uh, probably the best coach or you know one of the best coaches probably ever in some kind of history and so he uh he attracts a lot of talent and it'll be really interesting to kind of see what he does with the program over there. They were, they were good last year, but they missed the playoffs, like barely, um, like barely didn't get like an at-large birth at like six and three kind of surprising. Um, but I think with him, I mean, I, I, I think he will have them coached up. Um, they always have a lot of big kids, a lot of good athletes. So um, yeah, I, th- I think, I think Ukiah could be kind of one of these surprise teams to watch up there. and it will be fun to kind of see what, what Paul can do uh, in his, in his first season up there. Yeah. Um, yeah, outside of that, um, I mean, that's that's kind of the the, the brief 30,000 foot view on, on some of the top top squads over here. So, um, yeah,
0: you know, one of the things and I really appreciate that context because, you know, with basketball, you've got games spread out and it's easy to see a little bit of everything. Whereas football, you know, everyone's playing sometime between Thursday night and Saturday mm-hmm. night. So it's really hard to get out beyond, you know, your range of a couple of leagues or a section. So I really appreciate that context because as much as I try to keep up, it's hard to keep up with football beyond just the CCS and San no Francisco doubt. section.
1: Yeah. Well, and I'm, I'm always blown away by how good, you know, the Merck guys are in covering whatever, like 15 different leagues, you know, all across the Bay area. I, I always think that's so impressive. I mean, it's, it's, it's hard enough for us to cover, you know 17 teams across like three three and a half leagues up here um so i i always give a lot of props to people who have big coverage on like that
0: all right i think that's just about coverage i know one other thing i think is interesting looking at the schedule you mentioned saint vincent de paul they play both oakland tech and balboa mm-hmm. so they get to get a taste of both the oal and the triple a get kind of the upper echelon teams from that so those will be fun comparisons to be able to draw you know they're there just aren't that many out-of-section games in the sport where, you know, you're playing a 10-game schedule. So, you know, those those games kind of get magnified in terms of figuring out strengths of leagues and teams, and then they end up playing a big factor when you're setting up, you know, playoff seating, you know, both at the section and regional levels.
1: Yeah. Well, and, um, and Oakland tech, I know that, you know, St. Vincent likes to, um, you know, they play a lot of small schools, but a lot of like good small schools They actually played Oakland tech last year and beat them by 17 points. Um, I think that was even like in Oakland too. Um, So St. Vincent has, 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 again, kind of been one of these really, really good um, even, you know, the last couple of years they've, they've really kind of become like one of the small school in North Bay or, you know, North, um, Northern California powerhouses too. Um, But yeah, I'm, I might, I might hit you up for some info on that Balboa because I don't know. I do not know much about, about San Francisco or, 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 um, you know, schools really just, uh, anywhere South of, um, South of, you know, Marin or even like, you know, San Jose area too. So, um, yeah, any, any insight, you know, I might, I might be hitting you up for some, uh, some inside info on that Balboa game.
0: Awesome. Well, I look forward to it and hope to be valuable source of information just like you are. Anyway, thanks again for coming on today. Where can we find you? I know you're on Twitter at, what's it, JustGusPD, right?
1: Yep, at JustGusPD, um, all one word. And then, uh, yeah, all of our um, all of our stories, content, you know, I'll, I'll share most of it on there. But, yeah, we're also at uh, PressDemocrat.com and all of our stuff is at um, PressDemocrat.com backslash uh, PDpreps. That's, um, that's where you'll find
0: all of our writing and such. Um, yeah. And I know that's usually a common hashtag you guys use as well, PDpreps, right?
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. If you ever want to know anything about what's going on in um, Sonoma County sports in our coverage zone, just um, look up hashtag PD preps on Twitter and uh, you'll find uh, you'll find a bunch of our tweets.
0: All right. Thanks again for your time. And thanks to the press Democrat for doing such good work up there. Always nice to know that I'm able to keep up with schools that I'm not always able to see in person. Look forward to staying in touch with you over the course of the year and hopefully talk more about things on the field rather than some of the you know less comfortable stuff.
1: Absolutely, man. Well, thanks again for having me on. Um, and yeah, what an honor it is to be the uh to be the inaugural guest. Um so yeah, man, good good luck with this podcast the rest of the way. And um, and yes, I'm I'm sure I'll be talking to you a lot more throughout the season.
0: Once again, a huge thank you to Gus Morris of the Santa Rosa Press Democrat. Really great to have him on as our first guest, discussing what's been a very relevant recent topic. With that, we're gonna close things out here. So don't forget to subscribe, Uh, give us a rating if you like what you hear, or if you don't, I take all forms of feedback. Uh, Share this podcast with anyone you think might be interested, and we will be taking on sponsors. As much as I love Loud JV Parents, unfortunately, the return on investment there isn't great. Gotta get a lot of listeners to be able to profit off that. So if you are interested in becoming a sponsor, just shoot me an email. That's my name, EthanCastle, at gmail.com. Really look forward to staying in touch and pushing out more episodes. I have things listed as weekly right now, but I think we're going to be far more frequent as we get this thing off the ground. So thanks a lot for tuning in, and I look forward to hearing from you again soon. And I look forward to speaking with you again soon.